This is News from the Peak. I'm Joe Mamlin. Well, it's Fat Bear Week, and so that means we're happy to welcome back Carl Ram, who's our resident bear expert. But this episode is a little special, and here's Maureen to tell you why. Well, this was a really fun podcast to record. Um, I've been a part of all of the podcasts with Carl. Um, and just kind of like thinking back on how it all started, we were having a conversation with David about his brother and how he did this bear management in Alaska. And then I think we were just on a team call and we all had 20 questions and we were all really interested. Why do they do it? And how does he do it? And where does he do it? And that kind of led into this might make a really fun podcast. And if we talk about bear management, it's kind of not in our wheelhouse or anything that we're obviously involved with, but maybe we could tie it to some of the things that we do, like people management and leadership development. And we all thought, yeah, I'm sure we can weave in some leadership skills or questions or concepts. So we have this really awesome podcast uh, recording with Carl where he walks us through kind of the mechanics of it and, and it turns out at the end we, we decided you know there's really nothing here about people management or leadership development it's just really interesting and then we end up having you know this huge following and I think it was at one point our most listened to podcast so here we are recording it and I'm reading the field report and in the middle of the field report um, Carl has a story about how he is talking, you know, managing these two bears and how in that moment he was so focused that he kind of had had this um, realization that if you're if you're really zoned in and in the moment, anything is possible. And then we all kind of lit up like, there it is. There's the, the leadership moment or the human part of this bear management lesson that we've been kind of looking for um, throughout all of these other podcasts. So um, it was a good, good podcast to kind of leave bear management um, for the season. I'm looking forward to Fat Bear Week too. And don't forget to visit our website for more information on how to vote for your favorite bear. It's going to be a great show, so stick around and we'll be right back. So I just read your final report again. I looked at it quickly in July, but I think I was out of the country. So I, I didn't read the whole thing, but then I got a little melancholy that like it was your last report and it was like, you were yeah. just, like, officially kind of like signing off. And I was like, <laughs> you have to figure this out. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I think I feel like Holly gave me a nice way to end it. And, you know, I, uh, I didn't really know what to add, and I don't know what the future holds for me and Bears, but I'm pretty sure it won't be the, the high drama of um, Brooks Camp. So it seemed like a, a good place, especially since she uh, ended it on such a, a poetic note for me. Well, let's, yeah, so, so for those that haven't read the report, maybe we just jump in with, um, so it is your final season, and you're, you've already completed it, right? So, right. Um, and... I think most of our listeners will remember Holly, but if you want to refresh our memory and tell us how Holly kind of joined in on the sign off, that would be amazing. 
Right. And then we can probably, yeah, after that, backtrack to the rest of the season. So we'll skip most of the season, most of my season and go right to uh, when I was waiting on the landing craft. Um, that uh, is my, for the last few years anyway, my normal way of getting from Brooks Camp back to uh, a place called um, Lake Camp, which connects by road to King Salmon, where Park Service headquarters and, uh, and our home are. And um, so we're just kind of waiting for all the last uh, details to come together. And I'm, I'm on the landing craft sitting there just kind of musing over, gosh, this is it. And after this kind of <laughs> whirlwind of bare furriness and all these other things. And, um, and of course, Holly, I think, is anybody who's followed my writing or, uh, or these podcasts would know is my favorite bear. And I'd really only seen her, I think, only one time before um, that season, which made me kind of sad because I was hoping to see her a little bit more before I, before I left. And we're sitting there, and we're – this would only make sense probably to people who've been to Brooks Camp, but we're – the landing craft, of course, being a landing craft, is beached up fairly uh, – it's landed pretty hard against the beach, and we have the hatch down. Um, and Holly – comes out by the visitor center, walks down to the beach and just walks right in front of the landing craft. And it's like, I'm minutes away from leaving. And then just turns, as soon as she gets past us, she turns, walks into the woods and dis disappears. And given my long history with Holly and given um, that she really is my favorite bear, it was, I just couldn't ask for a better way out of camp and it was just kind of astonishing i try not to read too much into these things but it was uh, it was pretty amazing i mean really i think we left like five five minutes later well it's hard not to apply like human characteristics to animals in general like but it is kind of a it is super it does feel really ironic that like she yeah that goodbye exactly i'm pretty i you know if it if there was any kind of greater meaning to it, I don't think it actually came from Holly. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Holly, for the most part, I've kind of talked her down from us. Well, I don't even know if I deserve credit for talking her down, but I've tried to talk her down um, when she was stressed once or twice or something. But um, for the most part, I'm just kind of a pain in the neck to Holly as much as I love to Holly. She's, you know, I'm just the guy with the sticks who just, stops her when she just wants to go through camp and get to the other side and take a cutoff, you know? So I don't think she was, send, uh, she wasn't sending me any uh, uh, personal fond farewells. I'm pretty certain of that, but it was still, for me, it was. Know, uh, Carl, I, as an outsider, I'm just going to throw this out here. Let's just hypothetically say that it's like a parent. Sometimes you're parenting your kids and you, they like feel love through it. They may not appreciate it in the moment. <laughs> Let's just say that Holly, yeah. I'm just going to believe that Holly did appreciate that you had a sentiment for her, <laughs> that she was seeing you off. <laughs> you know, I think they do, um, I whether it's by nose or what it is, I don't know. But I think they are m quite a bit more sensitive to our moods and our feelings than than we can often think. I mean... Sometimes I think people really overestimate the sense to which that's true, but um, they can they can pick up to some extent. A lot of people tend to compare bears to dogs, and I understand why they do that. 
But in a lot of ways, socially, I think bears are more like cats and that yeah. they're aware of a lot more of what's going on. They just don't necessarily care. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or or certainly they don't generally want to let you know. Um, I'm sure I probably talked on here before, but bears, um, re I don't actually believe in bluff charges per se, but um, but they do bluff a lot and they certainly don't like to, to show fear and they certainly hide that as much as they until they kind of lose it. Um, and so, yeah, I think they pick up a lot, on a lot of things. And I wouldn't say, I won't say it's impossible that she picked up on that for me over the years. Yeah. She only, she only ever charged me once and it was a pretty half-baked charge. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, pretty good. I want David to, to jump in, but I, but I have this one, it was in your report in like May of this year so there's been so many times you've been on the podcast and I try so hard to like get this connection of like bears and humans or bears and like some oh, kind of mm -hmm. ship. and then over and over we're mm -hmm. like it's really not there's really not a lot of tie-in but you did have this one paragraph that seemingly kind of gave me that insight and you said it would and with bear management as with sports and music and relationships and many other things oh, mm -hmm. When you are dialed in, surprising things can happen. And it almost felt like in the very end, you did make all these connections about how in life uh, and management and work and relationships, it is like bear management. So I was like, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I mean, you're um, yeah, that was referring to the last bear I kicked out of camp. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 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 an interpreter ranger, Corey, uh, called out to me. And it had been a really pretty amazing evening in a lot of levels. And I was just really feeling in the zone. And I'm pretty sure it was a young male. It was um, just from its demeanor and size and coat color. And I didn't really actually get a chance to look under the hood. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a young male who had been around people before but hadn't been in camp much. And he was right by the, uh, by the uh, lodge office. And I just started walking toward him and I just kind of snapped my fingers and pointed and just like it was the most natural thing in the world. And he just turned around and walked off right in the direction I pointed. And, you know, um, was it coincidence? Maybe. But when I'm in that state, those kind of things that make me say, oh, maybe it was a coincidence happen a whole lot more than normal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah. I do really... Yeah, and it's, just, it's kind of the same thing I think we've all felt with people. If you're at a party or something and you're just in the right mindset um, and you're really happy and you're feeling good, it all flows. But if you're just kind of having a bad day and it's the parties, like you say, one stupid thing after another, and, uh, <laughs> it all just kind of, at least for me, and it just all kind of starts disintegrating from there. And I, I that that much, I think, is certainly common between uh, people and, and bears, definitely. Kind of your mindset makes a huge difference. Yeah, I really like that because it almost felt like the bear knew your energy, but in that moment, like he read your energy and and you had this moment, this moment of like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm just gonna do what he says. It what whether it's energy or what, it yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but when I'm in the right mindset and I'm relaxed and I'm confident and I'm basically feeling sound, 
as far as I'm concerned, it it really, really, really makes a difference. And I've and I've gotten comments about that from other people, you know, um, when they see it. So, um, you know, I, I have some kind of objective uh, feedback about that. It, no, I think they, you know, again, they're like cats. They're, you know, dogs. Dogs are constantly giving you feedback, right? Dogs live for feedback, right? Feedback back and forth. And they live to express that and all that. And uh, obviously cats are not so into that kind of thing. And bears are bears are kind of in the middle, but especially with male bears, they definitely lean, lean more toward catness. <laughs> and they, they don't do it. But yeah, it it makes a big difference, definitely. Oh, yes, David, sure. to your comment in the chat. We finally did it. <laughs> no, go in with the right mindset. And I don't know, but you know, but on the other hand, if you really like trying to do it, at least for me, it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know. so be, yeah, I know you really can't. I can't. I can't think it's a, because it's a kind of a com combination of being relaxed and confident, but not over pushing it. But if I think about it like, okay, get the proportions right here and be confident, but you know, it's, it's not going to happen. It just yeah. kind of has to happen. Yeah. All, all the most magical things that have happened for me in bear management have been when I was not trying. I wasn't, I, I was just kind of there doing it and not thinking about doing it right. Yeah. For sure. No, I mean, I think it, no, I mean, sorry, just, we have been waiting three years, so I might as well try to like <laughs> link bear management to management uh and say something about you know that uh because i think probably with that zone a, part, a lot of it is experience and paying attention to experience being thoughtful about it reflecting on what's really working and what isn't and i don't think you could enter i, I doubt you entered the zone a lot let's say in your first few weeks of bear management yeah um you know so my weird wiring, um, you know, uh, people will sometimes say if they see me do something with bears, gosh, they'll say, and, and maybe I've mentioned this on here before, they say, oh, you must be really brave. And I always say, ah, you haven't seen me, <laughs> you know, driving a big city trafficker on top of a ladder or anything like that. And um, so with, and I, and I figured this out about myself, like when we were young, back at Mr. Pinkston's, do you remember that, Dave? David, when mom had us doing tumbling? Uh, and it's like all these things I would never do in, in class when we were just tumbling, when it was recital time, I would do them. You know, <laughs> back walkovers and all that. It would just happen. And I, in, in that regard, I always did better under stress. I'm not, I'm bad about worrying. You know, I have a lot of other things, like long-term stuff. I'm, I'm, pretty, I wouldn't say terrible, but I'm not good about it. But for whatever reason, the wiring in me has always been um, acute stress, bears coming at me, something like that. I I almost always kind of, it that will kind of get me in the zone better. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think reflecting on it, but I think, I don't know, I think some of it, I mean, I've been that way with animals to some extent. Um, I mean, I caught rattlesnakes by hand when I was a kid, you know. Uh, we don't advise <laughs> that for our listeners. No, we don't. I don't advise that. I don't, you know, but it, to some extent, it's just a, it's just a um, 
neural fluke of mine, I think. Um, there's was one incident when I had a lot of people present. And it's another one of those things that taken by itself, it doesn't really count for much. But in my experience with a whole bunch of other things, it kind of does. But um, the visitor center at Brooks Camp is right by, well, it was right up a little bitty uh, slope from the sign for Katmai National Park, Brooks Camp down there on the beach. And around Katmai National Park, the, the sign on the beach, there are a bunch of moose skulls, and I think maybe some caribou skulls with antlers and such. And lo and behold, the bears like to chew on those, right? And so it's a kind of a favorite play area. And one evening, um, when some friends of mine and some other uh, or visitors and some other people were kind of gathered around there, kind of by the, beside the visitor center up on that little slope, uh, looking down at the beach, because down on the beach, there were uh, two sub-adults fighting. And then there was another sub-adult that was starting to do a little reconstruction work or deconstruction work on the sign. And so just without thinking about it, I just started walking to him and I said, hey, <laughs> and he looked at me. But then these two uh, sub-adults that were over by the flag that I didn't care about uh, also stopped and looked at me. And I looked over at them and I pointed at them and I said, not you. And then I pointed at the bear by the sign and I said, you. And as soon as I said, <laughs> not you to the sub-adults, they w immediately went back to playing. And then <laughs> I got the, the other bear off and everybody burst out laughing because it was like as immediately as soon as I pointed and said, no, not you, they went back at it. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was the timing was perfect. Everybody burst out laughing. Was it? luck was I don't know but it was another one of those moments when I really wasn't thinking about it I just did it and it yeah it kind of happened that's really great can I um ask you about the I know you weren't probably there but the hiker on the I mean that's all over the news and so I'm sure that oh. asking about like what in the world happened yeah I don't know you know I've been so involved I'm afraid I am out of touch it's when I left Brooks camp I had to hit the ground running with get, starting to move. And I am, I really don't know much about it. I mean, I know certainly that people on the webcams are super alert and they are super generous. Um, and I'm not surprised that they uh, really out, went out of their way to help them because I've seen some, them do some very generous and pretty amazing things uh, before. But, you know, really beyond, beyond that uh, and yeah. the details. I don't know, but I'm, I'm glad it, I'm glad it, it's getting attention. Well, I was just thinking like it was kind of amazing that these people that were just w trying to watch the bears and the like potentially saving this guy's life, the hiker that found the the bear cam and um, that they like jump into action. And yeah, I'm glad it had a good ending, but it was just ironic that I was like, I think I was with David and. Virginia and I was just kind of looking at NPR and I'm like, wait a second, that's where Carl is. <laughs> you know, I uh, once all this calms down, I want to go back and, and look at that story. Um, you may you may recall that there was a um, there was a guy, um, I think it was a commercial fisherman who went out and had took his got off the platform, went down by the bears by the falls and took his selfie down there. Well, I, I there were multiple routes of communication of how. Katmai was alerted about that or how the people at Brooks Camp were alerted about it. There wasn't um, uh, anybody on the falls, any uh, staff on the falls platform at the time, I'm pretty sure. But one of those routes of communication was um, actually through Susan and I, 
were um, watching something on the computer in the evening and a friend of ours who used to, um, who was a, uh, a bear tech um, back in 2017, actually got in touch with us. I don't know if it was by email or I think it was by text and told us that this guy was down there and then sent us. And so this is all got more or less happening in real time. So this friend is, was in Illinois getting in touch with us in King Salmon by text and Susan, because she's the manager of the refuges, she um, has a uh, knows uh, Mark Sturm, the superintendents, has his cell number, and she didn't know he was out at Brooks, um, and um, through classified means by which I of which I don't know, somehow the message got to him on uh, by way of that when she tried to catch him uh, by cell phone, and she told him about it, and he didn't know about it at the time. Now, whether that was what got everything rolling or not, I'm not sure because I know that there, I think there was one other group of people who did it. But yeah, so somebody's watching the webcam in Illinois, texts us, we get in touch with the superintendent. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a kind of universe with those things. That's kind of amazing. Anything that we need to be watching for? For I know you weren't there for the whole time of uh, the bears getting fat, but um, now you're kind of like one of us because you haven't seen... <laughs> I think I'm I'm actually uh, probably less informed than most people. No, just if Holly's on, I vote for Holly. I mean, that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> um, no. I, so this was an unusual season for me because um, I had two main focuses this season. One um, was training uh, the new folks on the team, and the other was they did something that in the time I haven't been that in the six seasons that um, I was on the team, except for this one hasn't been done, but I think it was a great idea. Um, and they took the team out to, I believe it was hollow Bay for a week just to get them used to being around these big Brown bears um, and having them come up close and everything like that um, before the kind of <laughs> everything goes crazy in July and so while they were out doing that, I um, basically watched camp for a week by myself. Oh, wow. And yeah, so those were the focuses. And I more or less ended my uh, season and my career at Brooks uh, during the first week of July, which is usually when I'm just starting to um, get going. And it was pretty slow uh, getting going. Um, the salmon were... Uh, somewhat late coming back and also not nearly as big a run as last year, although last year was a kind of a record-breaking run. So I haven't had much of a chance to see them um, getting fat. I've seen a, you know, a few photos and such, and I keep up on bear gossip as I can whenever I'm <laughs> in, in touch with uh, bear tech. I mean, so bear management is a weird thing in that Right. So my first three seasons um, doing something or another for um, uh, Brooks Camp when I wasn't in bear management, I was at the falls a lot. And I was, uh, there's certainly were people who were better than me. Um, uh, Leslie Score and Tammy Carmack and uh, Mike Fitz and, and qu quite a number of others, but I was pretty good with bear identification that year. Um, since I've been in Bear management, it's been downhill, <laughs> I'm afraid. I mean, I know the regulars 
Um, but even a lot of the bears that I knew um, from when I got started, I hardly recognize them now because they've, you know, the it, the ones who are young adults then, uh, a lot of them are, you know, fully adult, like 151 Walker, who um, is like a totally different bear, um, even though he was technically an adult when I knew him on when I was working the false platform regularly. Now he's a kind of a typical blocky, dominant, big falls bear. And, that, and that's true true of uh, a lot of them, though amazingly, 856 is still most dominant bear and such. But yeah, it's it was actually this year kind of a joke on the radio <laughs> how bad my bear management skills were. And I just, after a while, I just, I'm not calling out any more bears because this is too embarrassing to be corrected over the radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you you know, you're in camp, you don't really have time to contemplate the bears very much. They show up on the beach and you've immediately got to start figuring out your strategy from where they're going to go and things like that. I mean, Holly and, and some of the bears I can I can still recognize, but no, it's kind of embarrassing. So maybe in retirement, I'll finally have time to watch the bear cam some. And <laughs> I, I think our listeners are going to want you to keep up on the bear gossip, watch the the cams and still participate in Fat Bear Week. I well, I I, I would I hope so. Uh, we're actually in some ways the place we're moving to, and the Blue Ridge Mountains has um, less <laughs> is worse for communication than uh, King Salmon. Um, so we'll see what my <laughs> bandwidth is like, but um, I, I hope so. I well, yeah. So. What does the next chapter for you look like? Art? Is there any? Art? Um, yeah, I think wildlife art mostly. I mean, I. Don't think there's ever going to be a way that I'm going to completely be able to get out of, you know, the world of bears. I, I hope not. Um, of course, in the Blue Ridge Mountains, um, bears are starting to move into the area more and they're starting to, the population is getting larger. And so there's more bear-human conflict. Um, a lot of that needs to, is basically public education. And a lot of it is things like putting up electric fences around your orchard and things like that, which I don't really... I mean, I know something about electric fences and bears because we use them at Brooks, but that's really not anything I have any special knowledge of. Um, so I'm hoping to, I mean, to the extent that I have any control over how this works out, um, I'm hoping to, in a way, kind of spread the good news of Brooks Camp, um, the positive side of Brooks Camp, and that by really um, controlling bears' access to human food, uh, Brooks Camp has turned around what was a pretty bad situation in, in the 70s and uh, 60s into something that has been a whole lot better. Um, and uh, you know, it doesn't solve all bare human conflict, but it, I think it's safe to say that in, in the majority of situations, it, it solves most of it. And so I kind of want to, I mean, of course, in the bigger world, there's not so much control about what people do. And so you're never going to have kind of the pure case that, um, that Brooks has, but it does show um, that by really managing bears contact with food, um, things can get dramatically better. And so I want to kind of testify to that. And then maybe also something I'm more familiar with is just kind of personal bear safety, you know, yeah. you know behave around, uh, bears and how to avoid aggression and what to do when you're confronted with aggression because uh, Brooks Camp's a pretty good petri dish for uh, Brooks Camp bear management anyways is a good petri dish for that. 
Well, and I don't know if you saw the recent, there was a recent article about a bear that was euthanized. Uh, and it was because there was human trash blocking um, his intestines. Did you see that? No, no, unfortunately, that's pretty common, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah I've, the, oh, I found, even out here, I found um, on a trail, Susan and I hike regularly, I found like surgical gloves and such in bear feces. Um, the people in the community, well, it, it's, it's off and on, but a lot of this is because the bear still, at least at that time, still had access to the dump here. Um, so anyway, I'm going to do what I can, but I, uh, I think the, the main, main focus is going to be wildlife art. Um, I think the big story with bears, at least while I was there, one of the more interesting things, are, are you familiar with the whole story of 909 and 910? and uh, their cubs. That made, I believe that made like, um, certainly some of the major American, I wanna say Washington Post, maybe New York Times, uh, one of them covered it, and they certainly got a lot of publicity. So 909 and 910 are um, almost certainly sisters. I mean, I think for all practical purposes, they're sisters. And most likely, um, this can't be proven, but uh, can be proved, but the most likely the, daughters of 409 mm. uh, it's called Beatnose. and they sure act like it because I my first season of my first bear that I ever sprayed in <laughs> at Brooks camp was one of bead noses girls um, because she charged me pretty hard from up close that's a kind of a whole long story um, and she was a you know sprayed a cub but she was probably about a 200 pound cub at, the, <laughs> at that point so i didn't lose any sleep over it and she did charge me very hard from very close um and so there in 909 and 910's attitudes are pretty darn close to the attitudes of those cubs so i'm as far as i'm concerned i can't prove it but as far as i'm concerned they're they're not 409's girls and I've had all kinds of adventures with them. Um, but last year, so one of them um, successfully made it earlier than the other. And um, in last year, both of them had cubs simultaneously. And they ended up hanging out a lot together. And they, their cubs kind of ended up treating both of the sows interchangeably to some extent and would go back and forth between the two. And just as far as I'm aware, that's the first time that that's ever been recorded, um, you know, in the English speaking world anyway. I, I don't know that, but I certainly haven't heard of any other examples. Um, and yeah, they would come into camp there. Uh, I've had to, um, Eric and I once got into this very crazy thing um, where we had to chase both of them out and they split up and the wrong cubs went with the wrong sows. And then they ended up back into camp and having this coming down this trail on either side of Eric and me. And we had to jump up onto a porch of a cabin. And they basically had this big fur ball of a family reunion, literally <laughs> like two feet, two feet away from our feet on, uh, on this porch. And Eric and I are standing on the porch, just kind of laughing with our bear sprays <laughs> in our hands, ready. And they're, the sows are kind of looking at us every now and then. But yeah, they're just in this, this kind of little excited whirl right there at our feet for a little bit. And then after that, they started to move off. And uh, Eric actually got video of this, um, which is on one of my blog posts. But they, um, we ended up hazing them out, this 
uh, two big adult sows and two uh, cubs right in one mass. Um, and there were various other adventures with them last year. Well, this year, um, the mother of the old, older cub, 909, went back into estrus and kicked her cub, the older cub, off, which is oh. typical, uh, which, which is normal. I mean, when, when they... Uh, when they go into their cycle like that. And it's a good thing because the big males immediately start following them. And it would be terrible for a cub to have to keep up with mom while she's being pursued by this big male. It'd be an awful situation. So it needed to happen. Well, it was really pretty natural that uh, 909's cub wanted to get in with 910 because 910 had functioned as kind of a second mom all this time. And my impression is that the vast majority of cubs really don't like being kicked out um and so it's not um, what's that well that's also seems very <laughs> human like <laughs> yeah i think so i mean i'm sure there are some who are like yeah okay mom whatever thanks bye but uh yeah i i've never noticed that and um so it was pretty natural for her to go to 910 and of course everybody's wondering well is 910 going to accept this cub and and she did and again, I'm not aware of that. I mean, we've had bears adopted under different circumstances, but not quite like that. Um, given how it happened, it didn't seem to me too unusual, but that's that's what happened. And um, so, yeah, I had to deal with them as a family group. And 9, 10, and her sister have their own style of aggression toward bear management, which is very different. So like 284, as I've probably mentioned, is kind of like the drama queen in relation to bear management. And she loves to stand up, rear up and slam her paws on the ground and charge and, you know, really come up. She's, she's completely emo, emo in her and the way she relates to us. And 909 and 910, they are like the exact opposite. They just assume that you are going to move. And they, it's like, they don't really even, uh, not, 284 definitely acknowledges your existence and her disdain for your existence. But 909 and 910 are like, you're, you're just going to move and I'm just going to keep walking. And so I had a couple of incidents where I just kind of had to stand there and say, no, I am not moving, you know, and she's like three feet from the muzzle of my bear spray. And then finally, just like it was nothing, like she, oh, she just meant to do it. She'll just kind of peel off and go away. Mm -hmm. Of course, those two cubs are watching this whole thing and I'm, sure in the back of their brains somewhere they can't wait to the till they get to uh, antagonize bear management in that way but it is interesting how uh, how different their styles are from some of the other bears it's very trademark that's awesome early in the season on my first the first time i went out there uh, to do some training was before um nine or nine went into um into a cycle and um the the whole the four of them were all still together and the water level in the lake was really low that year and i don't remember who was with me at the time um but we were watching them and they were out on the beach kind of out in front of the lodge um and way out much further out um away from from the lodge than would be typical when water levels are normal and they were the two sows were just going out a little ways into the water and then just bouncing in this really funny kind of way, bouncing, bouncing, bouncing in the water. And I don't know, I, I guess I, you would think I would, 
I would have figured that something out a little more than I did, but I just looked at it and said, oh, Bear's doing weird stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, it doesn't even try to figure it out anymore, which isn't really necessarily good. But said, that's really weird, but they're bears, so they're going to do weird <laughs> stuff. Um, and the cubs are watching and they're all playing. And then eventually they went down, um, they went down the beach as they usually do toward the north and kind of disappeared. And we went out there because I saw something on the beach in the area that uh, or one of us saw something on the beach in the area where they were. And we went out there and there was this long piece of PVC pipe broken in two. Oh, my gosh. With, with And it was some pretty heavy duty PVC, at least six inches in diameter, maybe eight. Um, and yeah, snapped in two, which I'm sure was from that, what was that bouncing was about. And amazingly, if you think it was pretty thick PVC and there were some bare tooth marks in, in that, uh, PVC and the best we could figure out is that it was an old sewer drain from some previous incarnation of the layout of camp. Um, there used to be kind of a little tent city further down. I thought that was kind of the pre PVC days, but anyway, yeah, you know, leave it to bears to find this kind of. PVC pipe out in the water where nobody had seen one before um, and destroy it and bring it up on the beach and leave it, uh, leave it there for us to uh, find out. But yeah, that's, that's those gals. That's amazing. <laughs> and, but yeah, it was a, it was a, a good season. It ended on a note that I really actually uh, way better than I've, ever would have imagined and so, which also encourages me not to go back <laughs> because, <laughs> because it ended on such a nice note that anything afterwards would be got really kind of any cool uh, yeah, exactly. so I, I wouldn't want to uh you know have it uh, be a down note from from how, how it went yeah well we always appreciate your adventures and stories and um i always you know enjoy reading your blogs and seeing your stories. So hopefully you'll keep us posted and um, we'll get to see some art and some more things from Carl as you take on the next chapter of the adventure. Let us hope. I'm feeling optimistic. <laughs>
You'll be closer to David. I'm sure you're going to have lots of adventure. <laughs> yeah, I think David's going to have to learn how to be stealthier and kind of get away from... <laughs> Um, really couldn't care less about tractors personally, but, but Susan's very happy about it. So she's looking forward to uh, participating in the road maintenance. And I know David has always loved tractors and combines and uh, things like that. So. He especially loves cars. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. And so we're uh, looking forward to roping him and I'm sure he can't wait. Yeah, the, uh, like, um, you know, just to wrap this up when I was reading your report and then just talking to you now and like thinking about Holly walking while you were on the dock and you know it reminds me of the movies where you know the the mist misty rain starts happening and the, the guys <laughs> in the back seat of the cab just waving and like tears are rolling you know it's like this beautiful sunset and yeah <laughs> we're, a whole bunch of us are going to Portland next week for the oh. um, incomprehensibly oh, yeah. long acronym Child Support Association. Right. It's just us today. Joe's not going to be on. So, um, David, um, do you want to? I don't remember how we like usually kick these off. I just jumped into how is Carl, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the main way we kick these off is that there's no usual way we kick these off. Uh, <laughs> it it happens, uh, and at some point Joe goes back through and like makes it seem like it was all part of a big plan. He's um, good like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's no plan.